There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Hello, my name is Colin O'Regan and welcome to episode 59 of the No Encore podcast, Headstuff's resident music show. I'm joined in studio today by Craig Fitzpatrick. Am I just never going to get to do the intro now? I mean, Dave barely turns up anymore and still you're dominating that mic. Still, I'm taking charge. Yes, Dave is not here. No, Dave Core. Did he take offence to your statement last week the timing is slightly strange isn't it it's kind Mm. of turning into quite the soap opera uh i don't know it sounded heartfelt some people listened back to the episode and told me it sounded kind of sarcastic either sarcastic or like i'd been forced to read it right i don't know what they're talking about to be honest but um yeah dave isn't here (laughs) no my my, my guess is that he's going to be filling in for the duke of edinburgh and public appearances from now on (laughs) Uh, see i think i I was thinking maybe he just did a a prince philip and just decided to retire from his kind of public commitments altogether (laughs) sure (laughs) you know first festival is now just anything really well yeah private soirees are still (laughs) okay i guess yeah yeah he Uh, loves a private soiree yeah or maybe he's trapped in uh an airport in the bahamas as many, many people found themselves this week. This basically is the sort of story why we started a podcast in the first place. Yeah, Dave is missing out. Nice segue, by the way. The Thank you very much. Dave. Um, <laughs> Jar Rule. I mean, everyone's... It's excellent already. It's great already. I'm loving it. It's the most relevant he's been since he was in that video playing basketball with Jail. Like, yes. Yeah. 
But you see, this is the thing. I don't even know if this has come up in the podcast before. Like, I love Ja Rule simply because he was born on a leap year on February 29th. So he's like five years old. He's ten, yeah. He oh, was jailed man. at nine. Was this his birthday party that he was throwing in? <laughs> no, it would be late for that. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> the 11th sure. is coming up in 2020. And boy, <laughs> if this was anything to go by, it's going to be some session. Yeah, I haven't worked out their Gregorian calendars yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, everyone must have heard of this kind of weekend of fire. Yeah, that went fire down, festival. I, th- I think we need a deep dive on this. Yeah, so it was organised by Ja Rule and Billy McFarland, who uh, himself isn't much over 10. I think he's 25 years old. Yeah. What's a 25-year-old doing hanging around with Ja Rule to try and get a you know foot on the ladder? I think the <laughs> old quick buck uh, argument can be used here. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, basically it has been compared to the Hunger Games or the Lord of the Flies. Yeah. I, I mean, in the kind of advert for this festival, it was talking about... Um, you know, elite millennials mixing with influencers. So it's just fantastic that they've been reduced to, like, essentially being stranded on an island where they had bare rations, I think is the term. And as we also heard, literally bread, cheese and salad dressing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yet there was pretty much uh, no shelter, what all, small clusters of FEMA tents, is what they've been uh, compared to, exposed on a sandbar, soaked and battered by wind and rain. Now, obviously, it kind of, you know, grew legs in the yeah. aftermath and people on Twitter and Reddit just being like, no, did anyone hear gunshots? Which I don't think was happening. But it does sound like a deeply unpleasant situation. It sounds horrible. Um, it, they actually, like some pretty big acts were supposed to play. Uh, so Jarul obviously has some pull still. Disclosure, mm-hmm. Amigos, Major Laser. So it seemed like, you know, Bahamas. I mean, you're talking about staying in apparently luxury villas. Mm-hmm. Um, tickets were going for between a thousand or one grand and 125 grand. So just ridiculously off the scale. And what they were left to it was just an absolute shambles. And yeah, the kind of deep dive and the kind of, you know, raking over the muck kind of crap has been amazing. Just people that actually worked with it. And, you know, several weeks ago, they were told that, listen, this is going to take a year and 50 million to make happen. Just, like, postpone it. Yeah, there's an amazing piece on New York Magazine, actually. Um, well, my favourite line is when they're being told all of this and they still have enough time to kind of go, we'll do it next year, it'll be fine. A guy from the marketing team said, let's just do it and be legends, man. <laughs> and that night at a party, Ja Rule, like, announced... He gave a big toast to uh, living like movie stars, partying like rock stars and fucking like porn stars. Um, so, yeah, just I'm shocked this went belly up. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like if somebody told me that their birthday party was being organized by Ja Rule, I'd be worried. Yeah. If somebody told me that like some luxury getaway that I'd paid a hundred grand for was organized by Ja Rule. No. The best bit is that he was staying on some like private yacht just off the kind of mainland where mm-hmm. this was happening. It's just like uncontactable. Now, I mean, like it, 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 my favorite reaction to this, by the way, when you're talking about people hitting Twitter with somebody saying that it sounds like something that Tom and John Raffio would have organized as a publicity stunt for Entertainment 720 on Parks and Rec, <laughs> which is so true. Um, I mean, failed fa- fail festivals are nothing strange because like, we've seen like Killarney Festival go belly up here a few years ago where it was like, we've got 30,000 tickets. And then a week before they were like, oh, well, now it's five. Yeah. And then Duran Duran pulled out and it was like, okay, there's no festival. We're sorry. Yeah. I mean, um, it's it's a tough thing to pull off, I'm imagining, just the logistics. But when 
your Ja Rule just going, it'll be fine, and it's this like level of luxury in the Bahamas. Yeah, and it's also when you've got like the Jenners and Bella Hadid and all the rest kind of picking it up. Kendall's having a terrible time with her associations recently. One she? can only presume oh she was God. wandering around handing out Pepsis to make everything better. <laughs> Yeah, I think like the whole, you know, let's just be legends and and do it anyway. They're, we're probably assuming it's just going to be like some Spike Island happening. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, like pilled up scally manks just arriving. It was, you know, elite millennials. Yes. <laughs> and uh, now they've promised that they're going to be uh, refunded and have free tickets to a VIP and apparently, soiree like, on the mainland of the United States next time. The people that were supposed to be there or, or were there and just stranded were kind of surveyed and like something like over 80% were like, yeah, we'll go. I suppose if it's free, but wouldn't you be kind of like, I don't want to, like, I'm risking life and limb to get yeah. this kind of thing. I, I wonder as well, like, there's a hundred million class action suit uh, that the organisers are facing. Uh, if people actually turn up to that uh, replacement festival, I imagine that suit just dies, right? You can't really have huge grounds for, like, you know, it was incredibly damaging until the replacement festival, <laughs> at which point it was fine. But as I say, I mean, Ja Rule hasn't been this relevant since... I always get that Jennifer Lopez and that Ashanti song mixed up. Living it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I reckon that was later, yeah. Okay, well, th- you know, this might just be good, good for his career, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Elsewhere, um, obviously we on this podcast have been bigging up Frank Ocean, uh, well, since we started, uh, and, lo- and long before it, <laughs> for that matter. Frank, yeah. Um, Brad Pitt has been the latest to jump on that particular bandwagon. Uh, I've always felt myself and Brad Pitt are very alike. And uh, yeah, yeah, it turns out that he dealt with his... It's uh, the chin, I think. It's yeah, he dealt with his sequence. breakup uh, with, from Angelina Jolie by uh, drinking heavily, and I can say tick to that, and then uh, listening to Frank. This is your experience of breaking up with Angelina Jolie, is it? Yeah? It, did, it happened pretty much exactly the same. Well, I mean, he's been talking about the breakup happening because of his drinking, um, but also, yeah, a very kind of typical breakup period where he's just been listening to a lot of Frank. Yeah. Um, Bonnie Vare getting a bit of a Bonnie spin as well. Marvin Gaye's divorce record, um, which I don't know if you've heard it before. Here, my dear, it's an amazing record because literally he was ordered in court. Like his wife wanted a certain amount of money, and part of the stipulation was that he had to record this album. Oh wow! So it's called "Here, My Dear," and it opens with like a really really sarcastic kind of like I did this just for you it's what you wanted and it carries on that like barbed horrible fashion and it sounds amazing also are these on Brad Pitt's sarcastic days then he was just wearing gay in that in between his sculpting apparently he's doing a lot of working with his hands and sculpting because you know that's what tortured artists why not do. indeed yeah I, I, I mean to be fair though if you're going through a divorce Frank Ocean Bon Iver, they're both very solid choices I feel I think so yeah. I mean Presumably when he was, like, bringing up with Jennifer Aniston, he was stuck with, like, boys to men or something, I don't <laughs> what know. What was the time period? Uh, I, I don't know, but, like, early to mid-2000s, I would think. Yeah, I think he was just hanging out with Angelina, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to cover his back there, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What's, what, what are your breakup tunes? Like, if you have to oh, cry in the dark. I don't know. I ju- just never get involved with a long-term relationship, I guess. <laughs> That's why I love pop music, because it's, you know, you just kind of can listen to a song for three minutes and then there's no commitment and you can just walk away. That's a safe get out. <laughs> yeah, that's a comparison I'm making with relationships there. <laughs> let's not go any further. Let's not, no. My damaged, um, damaged psyche. Let's dive into the pop world. Um, <laughs> Justin Bieber's rider for a gig in India hit headlines. Frankly, I think just because it's Justin Bieber, because there's nothing too ridiculous on here, it seems. Yeah, I mean, when I heard Yoga Casket, 
I I'm immediately mean, thought, what is he into? Like, I'm thinking of all those kind of like Tibetan things where they actually, you know, take drugs that renders you kind of completely rigor mortis and you go into it. Like, I was, it was like, Jesus, Justin is getting into some deep, deep stuff in the search of like the perfect pop song. Uh, but no, it's just some like essential oils and incense. I think it's just a typo for Baskish, to be honest. A container, yeah. So like he can really only be done on the cultural appropriation end of that rather than the sort yeah. of... I mean, you're kind of right in that it's it's probably just news because it's just and like it's kind of stuff you would expect. I mean, a jacuzzi. Yeah. When you when you think of how much his tours are raking in, the world tour has grossed close to two hundred million dollars. It's not a lot to ask for, like a wardrobe cupboard or yeah, a massage table. Yeah, he wants a PlayStation, a ping pong table, sofa set, washing machine, a fridge. That's all reasonable. Yeah, although when you hear of him like descending on India, it's a bit like what is he like the kind of viceroy of the you know <laughs> British Raj or something? He's and stuff. carried yeah. in on a carpet. Yeah, yeah. The one that caught my eye though was um, top culinary experts will supervise the gourmet being served to be yeah. over the four days with five dishes per day being renamed after his popular songs. <laughs> and now. As I said, I mean, I assume this just means like there's going to be, you know, five dishes on five different tables with each table labelled. Like, you know, this is what do you mean? And this is sorry. But I'd like to think it's going to be more complex than that, Craig. And what do you mean? That's why I've made ten dishes that you can make from Justin Bieber songs. You've got... Beauty. Now, hold on. I, just, I would like to say off the top, you haven't made these dishes, so no, I'm quite no, no, disappointed. No, 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 I'm not you've, like... You've come here, up with titles. I'm getting no earlier. free food. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how many of these you truly want. We'll see. I want them all. You can tell me as we go. Come on. Beauty in a beetroot salad. Good. Solid. Kiss and Telegio chicken. You could end there. I mean, that's not going to be beaten. I would fired pizza. <laughs> oh, that's a bit hot pressy. As long as you love miso soup. <laughs> That's a bit go rail. I mean, Never let you goji berry oatmeal cookies. All right, stop, stop. That's enough. Now go on. There's more. more. Go on. Love yourself, your own brand pizza. <laughs> oh, back at hell. Go on. Wait for a minute, steak. Yeah. Let me love you, me boshi plums. <laughs> just sounds wrong. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't read it again. Yellow rain cotel de Cameroon the accent I mean really put us out of our misery are we halfway through or we're, we... we're almost done Amrit sorry nan bread is the uh, last one. Sorry. save the best to last some of those were actually almost good yeah <laughs> I was trilling and if there's any Indian chefs listening who are preparing Justin's food throughout his tour uh, feel free uh, I will not charge Justin would love those. for those names yeah, um, so in terms of kind of grand artistic statements delivered through various media, uh, I'm sure Jaden Smith would have loved your creative endeavours there. <laughs> My segments just aren't as good, are they? <laughs> Jaden Smith, amazing though, when you talk about, yeah, like media statements. Like, have, have you seen his Twitter? Yeah, I mean, the, not the for a while thing in case. My mind was too blown. I mean, oh yeah. Your mind does get blown frequently. It's yeah. the capitalization that does me, though. It's, it's insane. Be- it's because he's through the looking glass, right? And he knows that lowercase just won't cut it in this, you know, matrix. Um, <laughs> one big fan of Jaden is Fallout Boy's Pete Wentz. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's trying to stay Ja Rule, i.e. relevant, <laughs> by just name-checking Jaden, or he really truly believes that Jaden Smith could be the next Nirvana. Well, this is the thing I had to poke around yesterday, and I couldn't actually find any history of them like being boys or hanging out or anything. like. So maybe he is just a fan, or maybe it was the first name that popped into his head when he was looking for an example. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a greater point going on here. Yeah, this is basically Pete Wentz saying, like, you know, the 
you know, people say, like, you know, there's going to be no new Nirvana, but, you know, there will be. It just won't be in rock, necessarily. It'll be someone like Jaden Smith, or that it's going to be a genre killer that came from nowhere. So, basically, this is Pete Wentz joining in the kind of rock is dead brigade. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be talking about um, one of the songs coming up later, uh, Young and Menace. And Pete Wentz is what age by now? I mean, he's got... Oh, mid-30s, I would say. Mid-30s. I mean, Young and Menace. <laughs> this, like one of his quotes here is hip hop is super exciting for kids I'll be looking at my Snapchat on Coachella and that is rock and roll right oh, now oh yeah uh, that sounds like something I would train my dad to say yeah I think it's time for him to move on yeah <laughs> e- either way we will be getting to Fallout Boy new track in just a couple of minutes time uh a brief story that caught the eye though this morning is that the creator of The Wire uh, has written a musical based on the Pogues yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Well, in it terms does. of I'm, grittiness. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, as well, fans of The Wire will remember that it was a Pogue song that was used yes. for the policeman's wake in that. It was Body mm. of American when they were laid out in a snooker table. So, yeah, like, we know he's got history with the band, so to speak, at least as a fan. And, um, yeah, they've been talking about uh, this play, which was um, commissioned by Druid Theatre, and apparently is going to be hitting Broadway sometime in the next year or two. Yeah, and then, you know, eventually, if it's a success, it'll cross the Atlantic. Um, it's actually the Pogue Spider Stacy that has been talking about David Simon kind of bringing this script to kind of its, its closing point. And he was asked as well, you know, would the band be involved? Um, and I think quite tactfully, he's like, well, you know, we've done some kind of film, filmy bits and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know if us being like on stage reciting lines is going to be something that quite works with yeah. myself or Shane. Um yeah, that's I, very tactful. I, I've heard stories of <laughs> Shane McGowan's appearance on the set of Fair City, and I, I'll just say maybe it wouldn't have worked in front of a live audience. Right. That's all I'll say. Yeah, uh, I, you can probably fill in the blanks, but yeah, I can remember being backstage at Electric Picnic a couple of years ago and somebody dashing out from tent and going like, "Who knocked a speaker?" It's like Shane McGowan did, mate. Don't say anything. <laughs> right, let's double back to Fallout Boy as we move to songs of the week. Sure. This is the aforementioned Young and Menace. Right, so we are still months away from the album, apparently. That won't be out until September, but this is the first take thing taken from it. Dave has been in touch to say he's a fan, yeah. but uh, but his opinion does not matter today. <laughs> We've no. been re- yeah, receiving edicts from, you know, on high. On high. Uh, uh, I really think you guys should talk about this track. It's, um, it's super exciting for the kids, yeah. to paraphrase. I, I, I mean, <laughs> fair enough, like the, the, the Britney nod is neatly done, I think. Yeah, I, I kind of look. I mean, it's, you know, it's Pete Wentz lyrically, you know, comparing himself to Nikki Six in terms of, you know, passing away um, due to, you know, the rock and roll lifestyle, which is now nearly all over. Yeah, it interpolates Britney Spears. Um, it does those kind of screwed up chipmunk vocals on what is ostensibly the hook. 
It kind of works. Yeah, it like kind of does. Yeah. I mean, like, there's Audacious the occasional way. little flourish that's a bit ropey. Like, there's yeah. a bit that sounds like, you know, when you have your phone too close to a speaker when you're getting a phone call and you get that sound. Yeah. It's got one of those. Yeah. But it's all right. And, like, I mean, it's fun song and the transitions actually are really well done considering that it's one that kind of goes from 0 to 90 they've been a band that have kind of you know obviously punky you know US mainstream punky roots um, but then obviously made it quite big and just because of those kind of pop melodies Patrick Stump can turn out and since they kind of crossed over they've been kind of chasing fads a bit and they've been trying to kind of okay we're going to bring in some hip hop maybe that's a little unfair maybe it's just them trying to expand their palette Um, and while I haven't always been like oh I'm going to be listening to this forever it's never completely horrible because I think they've enough of a kind of sense of humour about it and do you know what I mean they kind of get away with it yeah and I think "Ah." they, they understand as well that frankly if they can wrap something in a hook yeah, you know, it's not going to be eminently dislikable. Yeah, uh, like I, I think Patrick Sub does a really good job of taking some dude's poetry essentially and kind of pop culture references and you know melding it to a tune. I mean, it's not quite as difficult as James Dean Bradfield in <laughs> Manics kind of trying to get this ridiculous, you know, um, very right on stuff into something approaching a you know a charting song. Mm. But uh, he does it quite well, even if I'm not a super fan of his voice. Yeah, sort of bass. No, I, I lacking think that's in fair. subtlety or something maybe. Yeah. Um, but I can totally listen to this, and I will happily listen to this. And it's yeah, it's it's not a it's a fun song. A couple of those same comments could probably be aimed at the new one from Chuck Chuck Chuck. This is called "Dancing Is the Best Revenge." Yeah, the group that less experienced music journalists would pause and go, hang on, how do I pronounce this? Uh, they are kind of doing what they always do, but maybe a little better. Yeah, you see, I'm not hugely familiar with these guys because I've just, I don't know, I've just I've just missed a lot of their stuff. They've been around for what, about two decades this doing this it. dance I couldn't believe thing. this is seventh album yeah. is what this has taken from. That's out in a couple of weeks' time. I wanted to kind of find out a bit more about them, so I typed in... Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Do you know what? You would think, okay, difficult to pronounce, but at least when you type it into Google, there's no one else going to have that name. Google doesn't recognize it. You cannot find one document on this band through the world's biggest search engine. That's kind of punk. I was wondering, what's the punk aspect of this dance punk? I think the punk is purely their <laughs> ungoogle ability, yeah. Yeah, and also it's kind of disco, but with a few guitars. I suppose that's what they're getting at. But I really like this, I have to say. I'm I really to like it yeah. too. I mean, I must say, I do think the song was probably written by someone coming in going like, guys, check out this hook. And it's like, okay, well, what about the verses? No, 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 but listen to the hook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what do we do for an intro? No, but seriously, the hook, right? <laughs> But it's a really good hook. It's, it's great. It's irresistible. And it's a bit of an anthem. I mean, even lyrically, it's it's very strong. It's kind of a call to the dance floor, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't hit too many dance floors unless they're wedding dance floors. It's not really a call to a wedding dance floor, which is my life now. Um, <laughs> but other kind of, you know, cooler, edgier, hipper bars that you and Dave frequent. Yeah, and imagine me. the two of you dancing to this at two in the morning. Myself and Dave dancing at two in the morning. It's been known to happen. Hmm. <laughs> 
glad those nights are uh, have not stuck in my memory by any means. Yeah, it reminds me of, like Chromeo or something. Yeah. Also reminds me of LCD Sound System a little bit, who apparently are going to be releasing music after we're finished recording this podcast. I mean, this is kind of the perils of recording on a Thursday night when everyone releases stuff <laughs> about three hours later. <laughs> yeah. At least we still have this to talk about, though, Craig. Katy Perry has released the second single from her new album. It's called Bon, bon Appetit. Appetit. <laughs> and it sounds like this. I'm going to let you start. Uh, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> this is... Okay, this is a bit ridiculous as songs go, isn't it? I mean, lyrically... Ridiculous does not cover this. The, the euphemisms, Colin. I can't Let's believe talk about euphemisms. I, I feel like the kind of nods and innuendo coupled with food stuffs has been done to death and it should never have been done to begin with. Maybe a few Prince references from the 80s, but that should have been it. I mean, like, she kind of exhausted the candy references from California Girls, but that was still a good enough song I don't understand to what she was talking about on that song. <laughs> hold it up, but well, this... I mean, the hook's kind of alright. It works enough for me that I don't hate it. Something terrible. Craig, I hate this. Is it really? Okay? I hate this. I mean, people are going to assume that, like, I'm trying to fill in for Dave in the angry corner with a bit of a rant here. But, like, I can't believe that... Like, however many people must have given this a thumbs up. I mean, it's produced by Max Martin, who's capable of, you know, doing some of the best stuff in the world. And then he comes up with this. See, I didn't know that, but it kind of makes sense to me because it has proper form and it has enough of a hook that I think it isn't a total waste of time. Um, but I but it's get awful. A- like, if somebody had told me that this was the new single for the fast food rockers to come back for a mature audience, I'd be like... Yeah, okay, maybe that's the only way this song could exist. Uh, yeah, uh, are her singles now just based around themes that she can kind of de- design, you know, costumes for whatever is dancing on stage? I have no idea. <laughs> like, she was the one herself who came out a couple of months ago and used the phrase purposeful pop for what she was trying to create. Okay. The idea, obviously, not being fully new, but, like, at least that phrase I hadn't heard before. And then you've got this. Like, I'm, I'm spread like a buffet. Sorry, love, I'm not hungry anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I was really hoping for a, a rhyming couplet that was just like, you know, go on, baby, <laughs> eat my trash. Would you like some fries with that? This isn't going to be a whole list you've been working no, on. It, no, it's not. You should have combined this with the fucking Bieber I stuff, ho- man. I, I know, I was hoping the Migos were going to drop on those rhymes. Like, you know, Quavo like, uh, mentioning sweet yeah. potato pie. And it's like, what does it have marshmallows stuck yeah, in it? I was going to say, I mean, they feel on such a hot streak and they just can't do anything with this, man. Man. I, it was like, it's amazing. I think the, like, they're on a bunch of songs that are literally all dropped around the same, like, couple of days. This, this, Sean this, Paul, this, this is exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was as though there was a cutoff for Song of the Summer applications. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, obviously, we just know at this point, Calvin Harris is dominating this summer. Yeah. I never thought I'd say. I know, right? Big Calvin and Big Ja Rule are yeah. dominating this summer, folks. So Migos will get away with it, but Katy Perry, this man. Yeah, like, as I say, I don't hate the vibe of it, like, sonically. It, there's a kind of throwaway 
old school Madonna thing to it. It's probably aiming for some of the kind of cheeky stuff that I think Charlie XEX does really well in her last playlist slash mixtape. But yeah, it's not quite there. (laughs) <laughs> it's far from it for me to be fair yeah, lyrics are distracting from this one pop sweet. juggernaut to another though uh, Big Harry Styles is back <laughs> single number two from him as a solo artist it's called Sweet Creature let's take a listen Sweet Creature Had another talk about where it's going wrong But we're still young We don't know where we're going But we know we belong Oh, we started Two hearts in one home It's hard so, Craig, you were absent when we talked about Sign of the Times, uh, the debut single from the X One Direction member. This, obviously, is the follow-up. What do you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, with this kind of one-two, he's really setting out his stall as the credible, you know, musician that likes a bit of rock music and kind of heartfelt stuff. Um, after the bombast of Sign of the Times, which just kind of ran, com- ran completely hollow for me, uh, this is... Something that is approximating something that I might like, but somehow doesn't quite work. I mean, the melody sounds to me like having glasses older than my ears, which is a great song. Uh-huh. It's like it just reminds me of that. It's completely coincidental. And then very clearly in terms of the approach and that just plucked um, guitar figure. I mean, it's a Beatles, Blackbird, you know, English Rose by the Jam kind of yeah. thing. Very much tapping into that lineage of, you know, British songwriters and sensitive stuff like that. And it doesn't coalesce as anything that is really meaningful to me. It's very lightweight. Like That's exactly it. Like, it's so disappointing. I mean, last time I was defending him for Sign of the Times, where I said, like, you know, at least yeah. there seemed to be ambition. And like you say, a bit of bombast there, you know, that this wasn't kind of, I suppose, taking the easy way out. This is. And... I, I mean, what really gets me is nothing will convince me that if you swung a cat at like an open mic down in Whelan's or something, you wouldn't hit five people who could do a song like this. Yeah, well, this is very much the thing. And um, like, he seems like a charismatic dude in terms of, well, even in interviews, he doesn't have a huge amount to say, but he's kind of a star. Like, he's a star. He's got that certain quality. Yeah. So he's clearly going to be fine and going to make it, but... Just he strikes me as someone that doesn't really care a huge amount about music. You know? I, I, I kind of agree with you. <laughs> that, listening maybe to that's this. a very like patron. That is a very patronizing thing to say. Yeah, I'm sure he does. N- not, I, nonetheless, yeah. I mean, like there is a level, and I'm not somebody who, like ever gets annoyed, uh, you know, about these things and about other people's success. But like, you do kind of listen to this and say, like, does he deserve that sort of acclaim and stardom? I mean, like. You know, like, and, and and I'm not saying one way or the other, like, you know, if it's good or bad, but like, I've no doubt that Gavin James, for mm. instance, could write a song like this tomorrow in his sleep, and he will not have 100 million streams the following week or whatever it is that this song's going to do. Yeah, and this isn't like a, a track that, you know, Dear L. Harry's been working away on <laughs> just in between kind of band practices, and it's something that really means something to him. I mean, it's a co-write with a, a dude who used to be a kind of folk artist called uh, Kid Harpoon, I believe, and now is a, like a, a Skrillex collaborator, so just crossing all the genres and knocking it out of the park. So, yeah, it just kind of sc- screams like a cynical approach to me and even if it's not and I'd like to give him the benefit of the doubt and it's probably not 
as a listener, that means nothing to me because I can't connect with it. Yeah. So, yeah. And the final thing as well is that it's moved him back dangerously close to the sort of Niall Horan territory that we've been critical of before. They should team up, really. <laughs> they they, can, like they can make a boy band. <laughs> just get another couple of guys. Take that or down to three. They could just <laughs> slot right in there. <laughs> no, I would never want to take that to mean like Take that. one direction. Yeah, let's not. <laughs> Uh, final track that we're going to have a listen to today uh, Mac DeMarco it's called One More Love Song sounds like this turns out all you found is one more love break your heart Yeah, single taken from his album, which uh, is just out a day or two at this point. Um, some people would not have thought that he had this in him, to be fair, because it's it's melancholic and it's bluesy and it's pretty slow and relaxed. Yeah. And I think it's pretty good. It is very good. He, you know, the thing, about, uh, the thing about him is that he's got this image and all this noise that surrounds him and he does... He's got a kind of cliched white trash vibe going on. He's yeah. quite funny and out there and, you know, there's a lot of gimmicky stuff surrounding him. But actually, when you come back to the music, I mean, he's completely inseparable just in my mind with a Kurt file because he does do this kind of, you know, probably spent his teen years listening to quite a bit of Stephen Malcolmus um, and now is doing maybe more of a less kind of ironic, more honest take on that kind of thing. It's that weed, you know, hazy guitar based thing but actually there's a lot of kind of uh, rock classicism under it and a real kind of dedication to the craft of forming these songs I mean when you properly listen to them these are well built sturdy constructions and they always sound great Um, I think it's kind of the sentiment of a song like this that would have come as a surprise because he is kind of a goofy you know fun loving like as you say just kind of like slacker rock sort of guy usually Whereas this, yeah, this has the sound of like a kind of a smoky room and, and, you know, a bloke down on his luck in the corner sort of thing, which is certainly not what you'd close your eyes and picture Mac DeMarco. I mean, the closest he came before is probably like Chamber of Reflections or something yeah. like that, but... I mean, he looks. Step up again, he right? looks like in thirty years he will have morphed into C six Steve. Essentially, that that is the aesthetic we're looking at. But um, now you're probably right. I mean, I think it's his um, third record, this old dog. So it probably is just a kind of maturing approach, and he's a bit more confident and open, and I haven't given it a proper listen as yet. But yeah, looking forward to it, and maybe moving away from that kind of defensive thing of always doing it with a kind of a bit of a sense of irony and just yeah this i'm looking forward to this it should also be mentioned that uh mm. in the past week we've had new music from heim and from paramore yeah and i guess we like we talked about both bands in the preceding week so it might be overkill but uh i think both may be slightly reverting closer to type yeah i mean par- for me with paramore that means n- not a lot I'm, i've just checked that, out that's exactly what i mean because <laughs> that first to be, to be fair that first single was a banger and i was like what the hell is going on and then the second single and i'm like oh no no, it's a, no, I don't yeah, care Yeah, it turns out it was a bit of an attention grabber, uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but Heim, I was much more, well, more excited to see what they do, obviously, because I'm a fan of those and heartened by what I heard because it is a fun song with proper hooks. And I was like, yes, this is what we, we're back to. And, yeah, yeah. We, d- we definitely needed that. Uh, it is, uh, in fact, called Want You Back, 
which is yeah. suitable enough. The minute I saw the name, I was like, oh, okay, we're just back on kind of safe ground. You just instantly think of, you know, Jackson 5 and kind of stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, cool. This will just be a kind of nice, pleasant, upbeat thing with killer hooks. And it was. So we didn't really know what we were getting from the album this week, though. And uh, it turns out we probably got a bit of everything. Uh, Gorillaz had already released four or five singles from the record before it dropped. Yeah. Turns out they had a lot more up their sleeve as well. As humans hit the shelves, it sounded like this. All the world is out of your hands. Another night. You got to die bitter. Or I should say that's what a tiny bit of the album sounds like. Uh, that is Let Me Out. It features Mavis Staples and Pusha T, in case you think we've singled out the one song with a feature. Um, we would have actually had an easier job uh, picking the one song that doesn't. Yeah, uh, this is, I think, as close as you're going to get to that classic Gorillaz thing of quite immersive trip-hop type stuff and also paired with a great soul kind of vocal and, you know, always interesting rapper. But then it just spins off in so many directions and this has always been... Okay, the thing with Gorillaz for me is that I never liked the conceit. Like, even okay. back around the turn of the century, I was just thinking... I remember them doing interviews together and they were talking about, I mean, there's so much, um, you know, just disposable pop and put together manufactured bands. We just thought we'd we'd make our own one that was interesting. And I just thought, oh, lads, really? And like, then the characters were just like weird cliches and the art looked kind of nice, but I just didn't want to know about the whole, like their backstory. There's a whole thing going on. Even now the videos look great, but I'm like, I don't, I just give me the music. And it's a testament, I think, to Damon Albarn's talent that I really like Gorillaz sure. music so I mean the background for this album seems to be that I mean him and Jamie Hewlett who does the whole kind of artistic side of things and famous from Tank Girl and a very well respected in his field bloke seem to have a falling out around the time of Plastic Beach or certainly the fall which was essentially just Damon yeah. Albarn with his iPad putting something together because there was a kind of very divergent thing I mean Damon was doing he essentially got half the clash uh, together as a proper band and uh, Plastic Beach, which was kind of, I thought, unfairly maligned because there was some great stuff on that. Didn't really stick too well to the format of like the Gorillaz I was about thing. to say, that is probably the, the downfall of that album and, and as well as not sticking to the format of Gorillaz, it probably stuck too closely to the format of what they wanted that record to be, which was a kind of a slightly doomsday concepty album yeah i kind of loved it because it was more damon just being like dropping his like 2d voice and that slacker thing and just doing proper damon oh, yeah, no, I, no i quite like, enjoyed I it as well but this now is very much the kind of reconciliation and the kind of conceit is back to the forefront and it doesn't really interest me and all of this is a very long-winded way to say the concept doesn't work for me because it's supposed to be about this band but then you're instantly introduced to a load of guest stars and yeah. all of the songs sound nothing alike. And it just becomes, for me, it's just Damon Albarn hanging out with lots of his famous mates. And it becomes a kind of 
jammy thing and this is a very long record so it's a weird playlisty hard thing to kind of get a grip on I must say for first listen I absolutely agree it did sound playlisty and it did genuinely sound at times like it was a bit of a you know oh I've always wanted to work with that person and they're in town this weekend do we have any ideas no it doesn't matter get them down with time I got my head around this a little bit more part of it is to realise I think at least that the fact that it is very disjointed is kind of just allegorical. Like it, like it's meant to be sure. chaotic. I mean, they've talked a lot about how this is their kind of post-Trump album and, you know, their kind of State of the Union address, basically. Yeah. And so I guess it makes sense if they're kind of drawing from turmoil. It came out a little bit jumbled like that. Um, there is this concept here of, like, kind of going up the, the stories of a building or of a house. Mm. Um which are punctuated by these bizarre little interludes. and Which don't work for me, really. No. I mean, there's a kind of, one of them is just that very old, like I think it's a Monty Python joke where it's it just like, yeah, the nonconformist oath and it's just like a crowd being like, I will be individual, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So we're getting a lot of that very on the nose type stuff. And then in the actual songs, there's that sense of we're in the end times. I mean, he's talked, Damon's talked about this being like an end of the world party. Yeah. Um, which makes sense, but then you think, well, do you know what? Gorillas have always been about that kind of end of the world, kind of very, ta- you know, take on modern things. Then you also think, well, if it's a kind of party playlist, I mean, David Al- Alburn, has he ever enjoyed a party? Does yeah. he know what a party is? It, maybe if he was on very many <laughs> drugs back in the day, who knows? Yeah. But like I said, I mean, like they are intentionally trying to fuck with you. And like, there's no doubt about that when you hear like the closing tracks which are Hallelujah Money, which we featured on the show before, uh, featuring Benjamin Clementine, and it's really rather slow and haunting, and yeah. I think it's a bit of a dirge, to be perfectly honest. But that, that, that's by the boy, and because that is contrasted then with uh, We Got the Power, yeah. which is like this with big Noli chanting. <laughs> yeah, with Noel Gallagher singing backing <laughs> vocals. Who'd have known? Jenny Beth, by the way, taking the kind of the star role on that song yeah, in case we focus too much on the backing vocals. But like those are absolutely chalk and cheese. They're basically designed to send you out just going, what the hell did I just listen to? Yeah. Uh, the, they're kind of, you know, good examples of why I think this record doesn't quite work overall. And we will get to, you know, because... It is such a talented songwriter. There's a lot to love on this. So even if I think it, it can be a bit of a mess. But the thing that doesn't work, it's not the disjointed nature of the track sitting together. It's sometimes the disjointed nature of the different layers of the tracks. So with Hallelujah Money, I actually think Benjamin put, puts in a hugely kind of theatrical, dramatic, very interesting performance. But then musically, it's just a bit flat. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it yeah. doesn't really, like, it doesn't work quite, uh, like... Yeah, no, I like, yeah, I, I think that song is a bit rubbish. I mean, we honest. got the powers a bit kind of, like, cheesy, despite oh, yeah. some kind yeah. of knockout performances. And then you have stuff like, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about moments, with a Z, Z, which Zed. is like, yeah, we have De La Soul, which is always, you know, going to be a great recipe when you have them with gorillas. And it's just a weird sounding. Like, yeah. a lot of this, the synths sound very flat, and it's like a kind of you know, robots in a factory buzz and drill. It's a little bit droney like It is. But it's kind of like time and time again, he doesn't quite, like he's got people in and even if they're doing interesting stuff in their own right, this time around, he doesn't quite know what to do with them. And he doesn't quite know what to do with himself because I think the strongest, this is just personal preference, strongest kind of guerrilla songs are always when he is front and centre. Yeah. And here he's just kind of 
floating, you know, somewhere in the ether, and he yeah, doesn't he feel as ta- central to the song. He so. takes lead vocals on one track and one track only. I really wasn't joking when I said that we could pick one song that doesn't have a feature, um, which is called Busted and Blue. And the song sounds a bit like what the title would suggest. It's a well, yeah. downbeat. See, I love this song. Oh yeah, no, uh, I, I I do. I like it. Yeah, like there's that run a bit from I'm drumming it then into this, and there's kind of there's probably about five or six songs in fairness where I'm like, okay, now we're on track. Oh yeah, about half, more than halfway into the record, and that all works for me. And it's kind of I'm you know thrown back to on melancholy hill and. Maybe I just want him to be doing blur songs with a bit more kind of electronic and hip hop dressing. So maybe you know, yeah, I need I, to, <laughs> I need to just move, like, get move on with my life. And I mean, yeah, it must be said that is a weird, weird thing. Like when you're talking about the concept of gorillas, yeah, is that I mean, like it's such a malleable thing, obviously. Yeah, yeah. and there's know. always killer stuff on it. I mean, Deluxe Cheese My Collar. There's some Cheese My Collar is a great song, so good. And like, I mean, it's buried towards the end of the album. And frankly, if you have had some sort of motion sickness by the time yeah. the 16th track rolls around, which is entirely conceivable. Um, yeah, you're, you're probably going to miss out on how strong some of the songs are, that they can just stand on their yeah. own, so to speak. And Kali Uchis on that one in particular is just fantastic vocals. Like, he's re- he works best, I think, when he has that really deep, soulful thing that yeah. he can... Because other times, while he clearly respects the artists, maybe it's not quite a genre, or he doesn't know what to do with a certain rap or a bit of grime that comes in here. Like, he's very much trying to stay on trend. Not, I wouldn't say tra- chasing trends, but... He doesn't. It doesn't always come off, which is you know completely understandable with this kind of project. Um, when it does, it's spectacular. But like, I think this is it, this is becoming a real Craig thing. But I'm just gonna like take a knife to this. I think in the end, and just make my own little mix of it. And it's like <laughs> I'm becoming this person, like the Father John Missy thing, where I was just like, just lose the last song. It's much better. And you know, Kanye's yeah. album, I completely transformed I, for the better. Yeah, I, I, I can, uh, <laughs> I can totally see you doing that with this record. What's more, I can see this record making like maybe three or four great EPs. If yeah. it was split in the correct way, yeah. Because then again, we do we do have that thing where there's the deluxe version, but you know it's Spotify, so it's all the same. Now. Yeah. Well, uh, well, notably, you'll see that the deluxe version is basically where Damon Albarn has thrown all the non-Americans because he wanted this to be Americans only on the features, and weirdly as well, he wanted to remove all intentional and clear references to Trump. He's mentioned this in a number of interviews since the album has kind of like, you know, hit the shelves or at least since they've started talking about it, I guess. Yeah. Which seems like an odd choice to kind of make what is broadly speaking, well, it's not broadly speaking, it is a concept album and it is very much tied to the idea of the post-Trump world and then deleting this concept. Yeah, was it Pusha T that was talking about when he was working with Damon on this, you know, more than a year ago, mm-hmm. he had said to him, okay, the, the concept of this is imagine a post-Trump world. Yep. And Pusha T was like, that'll never happen. Um, Hell, man, my boy Vic Mensa <laughs> told me about that uh, back ju- last July. And uh, yeah, he hasn't made the cut on the record, presumably because his lyrics were too Trump. Yeah. It's kind of understandable in terms of... I mean, if you're, you know, you're thinking, okay, after four years, does it suddenly become the most dated thing if it's just right. referencing exactly what's happening now? But I do think it takes a lot away, a lot of the venom or a lot of the actual sense to the record. Yeah, you know and what what's I mean? more as well, when it's you're struggling. a bit of a compromise. Yeah. yeah, but also when you're struggling for coherence, yes. you feel yeah, there may be a thread that can kind of run through it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the individual performances along the way, um, Vince Staples 
uh, lead-off hitter, basically. Yeah. And uh, does a very fine job. Great. I really like that, yeah. You can always expect that. Um, Saturn's Bars features uh, vocals from a guy called Popcorn. Yeah. This, in my eyes, and uh, you've got relatives in the north side of Cork. (laughs) Are you hearing this? All my life, never have my gun, so me have to move sharp like my knife. All my life, all my life. I know loads of people who speak yeah, like that. Yeah, now you mention it. Um, what else do we have here? It. Grace Jones is on this record, uh, mainly laughing. I mean, that, that's one that kind of works because I don't think you can put Grace Jones on something and, and like she's such a big presence. Yeah. Um, it, she, she reminds me like her turn on this reminds me of Marky Smith of all people on Boston, <laughs> just in terms that, of that famous laughing Marky Smith just in terms of like that you know announces herself and has this kind of like spectral quality hanging over the whole thing it's just like that Marky Smith thing where he was just like where's North from here it's like <laughs> such a great moment it like, helps she that the for show. me she's coming in after probably the best song on the record which yeah. is Submission yeah. uh, Kalela is, the boy Danny Brown. Yeah, but like Kalela's getting a proper pop hook, of which there aren't too many on this record, but frankly there haven't been too many in her career, and it really, really works for her. And then obviously uh, Danny Brown coming in and do his thing. Yeah, and that's, that's maybe superb. that's another example though, where it's like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a good pop song, and then Danny Brown just drops in out of nowhere, and he sounds like he's still like recording Atrocity Expedition. Oh, yeah. Like, it yeah, doesn't yeah. really I love work. Danny, I love Danny Brown, that there's no off switch. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> You're in his own Sounds like he'd be a terribly annoying person to spend a lot of time with. I don't know. I think he's more relaxed off the mic. Yeah, you'd hope (laughs) hope so. Um, Yeah, who else? Uh, Mavis Staples, as we heard earlier. Uh, Anthony Hamilton, not the snooker player. I was disappointed to see. Having watched the World Championships for a week, I was hoping it was going to be the man who's quite wonderfully nicknamed the Sheriff of Pottingham. Oh, that is so English. Yeah. Were you really disappointed? Did you think that was going to happen? No, I didn't. No, you did not. No. Um, yeah, so it's a real kind of mixed bag. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there are absolute duds here as well, to be fair. Like, sex murder party. Like, I, I don't know what that is like. <laughs> not not only do I not know what a sex murder party is, I don't know what the song is either. Yeah, a strobe light doesn't really work for me. I yeah, do- and it's a pity because that comes so early as well in between... Like Ascension, the aforementioned Saturn's Bars, Moments with Della Soul. I feel like... Then, like, you... after one interlude, you've got Submission, that, you know, fantastic song with Danny Brown and Kalela. You've got the Grace Jones feature. It really is, yeah, if, if you could just... If you had to just talk to me, I could have put all of this right. You could have saved this. I feel like this is my hidden talent, just making al- albums better. I should be consulted on all these things for an hour. But, yeah, it's it's... I'm not going to say a mixed opportunity because this is all you're going, always going to get this with gorillas. So I'm not really, you know, my nose isn't too out of joint about the fact that this is what we got because I was expecting a playlisty type thing. And there's enough here for me that I will re- keep returning to. So it's, yeah. it's a win for me. And the other thing that I will say is that this will get better the more you listen to it. I found that at least yeah. over the past week or 10 days is that the first time you listen to it, like I say, you will have whiplash jumping from one style to another, one song to another. Once you get over that and once you realize okay prepared brace yourself it, yeah you start to recognize them for what they are and there is a lot of quality in here it is the scariest track listing in the world because they've separated the interludes it looks like it's a 20 song album it actually clocks in at around about 48 49 minutes so nothing to be too scared of and yeah for me Let's i mean ratings yeah by, by the end i'm actually really enjoying this record 
Um, I would go 7.5, maybe 8. Interesting. You see, I think as an album, I'm going to have to go like 6.5. But then there's so many 8, 8.5 moments for me that it's almost like rating system doesn't work whatsoever. <laughs> Can't say that, Craig. <laughs> Sacrilege. I know it's scientific and all. But um, I'm going to go 7.8. <laughs> Have you had a chance to play anything else in the past week? No way, man. Just been stuck on this because it was such a bloody head trip. Yeah, it must be said. It, it is a head trip. And as well, it was too sunny outside to listen to, to anything <laughs> too deep. I went, seriously, I literally went halfway through the new Kasabian album, uh, which has dropped by the time this podcast is released. Yeah. And uh, it literally got halfway through it and I was like, this is way, way too warm outside to be listening to, to Kasabian. Yeah, I mean, that's waiting for me, and I'm I'm a bit scared it's going to blow the roof off my house. <laughs> It'll make your face melt, my friend. <laughs> Hopefully, Dave will be here to help you put it back together again Do you reckon he'll come back, yeah? Fingers crossed. I mean, yeah, we'll probably keep people on. It'd be a strange way to leave it. <laughs> it would be very odd. Shall we leave it with some exit music? We shall, I, and... I didn't get to do the intro, so I'm going to do the exit music. Please, sign us out. How would you fancy some atmospheric ambient folk? Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, so it's a Dublin-based trio, Pine the Pilcrow. Um, and I think we're both fans of this, right? Like, this is suitable, yeah. like, really good kind of closing credits music. It's going to take you on a bit of a journey. Um, Dahlia is the song. It's the first one from their second EP. Their first EP came out last year, got great reviews. Everyone thinks they're doing some wonderful stuff, which they are. Um, kind of come from back, classical background, trad background, but it comes together in this really kind of cinematic effect of thing. Um, they're doing a big push for the EP, so lots of June dates. Uh, if you go to at Pine the Pilcrow, you'll find all the deets. But the big one, is, the big one, the big is one. the Civic Theatre in Tala on June the twenty fourth. So get to that. But ahead of that, one of their songs, Dahlia, to play us out. And I suppose I should sign us off with our classic line: "My name is Craig Fitzpatrick. There has been an encore." <laughs>
This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Groovy. At Total Wine & More, we know what pairs perfectly with summer. Go ahead, test us. What goes best with a beach trip? This crisp rosé. A pool party? Try these craft beers. Oh, you're good. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine & More. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.